0: North Carolina and Duke are finally meeting in the NCAA tournament and in the Final Four, no less. So that begs the question here in Cincinnati, what if the Bearcats and Xavier ever met in the Final Four? And just how big of shoes will the next Bearcats quarterback have to fill? Plus, why I believe there is no excuse for the Bearcats not to make the NCAA tournament next season. That's all coming up. On Locked On Bearcats. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thank you so much for making Locked Bearcats your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Alex Frank here with you on this Tuesday, March the 29th of 2022. All right, so Duke and North Carolina are meeting in the Final Four. It's going to be historic. It's going to be, I think, an epic game. It wouldn't shock me if there was some crazy, wacko ending or an ending like Jalen Sugg's buzzer beater against Mick Cronin and the UCLA Bruins. Last year, it would not shock me. So that obviously begs the question, what if Cincinnati, or at least it should trigger this question here in Cincinnati? What if the Bearcats and Xavier ever met in the Final Four? This rivalry is driven by the animosity amongst the two fan bases towards the other. It is unbelievable how much animosity there is in this rivalry. These two schools do not like each other. These two fan bases do not like each other. And what's so unique about it is both teams can be having down years going into the matchup. I've seen Crosstown shootouts where both teams are ranked, which adds to the already heightened hype. I've seen matchups where both teams are unranked. 2021, the Crosstown shootout, to me, was almost like an afterthought because it was played in the midst of the pandemic It didn't have the same, it did not have the same buildup. It didn't have the same hype before the game. Like my first three years at Cincinnati, 2017, it was, I mean, the lead up to the game was massive. It was unbelievable. Cincinnati was number 11. Xavier was number 21. Both teams had high expectations. Both teams had great players. Xavier wins the game by thirteen. And, of course, the the scu- the uh, wh- whatever you call it, episode after the game with Mick Cronin, then the head coach of the, of the Bearcats, and J.P. Makura, who everybody loves to hate, for Xavier. And Makura claiming Mick Cronin said this, and Cronin giving his side of the story, and Chris Mack saying, well, there's two sides to the story, and there's only one side that's true, and all that. My second year, there was also a build-up to it because Xavier had moved on from Chris Mack. It was in brand-new 5th-3rd arena. It was my first time attending the Crosstown Shootout in person, and the experience was unbelievable because the student section was packed 90 minutes before tip-off. The equipment managers for Xavier were getting booed. And all this is to demonstrate how much animosity that there is. Even in 2020, the 2019-2020 season, the same day that the Bearcats football team played in the conference championship game at Memphis, but the crosstown shootout did have a lot of storylines. It was John Brandon's first crosstown shootout. It was Jaron Cumberland being injured. Was he going to be able to play? It was Najee Marshall scoring 31 points in that game. There was a lot leading up to it, and the game, quite frankly, lived up to the hype. But the animosity is what drives this rivalry. Cincinnati fans love to brag that Xavier has never made a Final Four, that Xavier doesn't have a football team, that Xavier this and Xavier that and whatever. Xavier fans will brag that they've been the better program of the last 25 years, and they will ask Cincinnati fans, what have you done in the tournament? Well, only two Sweet Sixteens since 1996. And fair enough, to their credit, they're right. Ever since Xavier beat the number one ranked Bearcats in the 96-97 Crosstown shootout, Xavier has owned the rivalry. They are 18-8 and since the 96-97 season. 18 wins in the last 26 years. That's owning a rivalry. That's a very high winning percentage. That is domination over one opponent. The Bearcats have had some really good teams. 2000, 2001, 2002, 2012, 2014, 2018. But go back. In a lot of those years, Cincinnati would still lose to Xavier, I think. You can look at Crosstown shootout results. 2012, when the Bearcats made the Sweet 16. I shouldn't have said I think. I should know these things. Cincinnati, when they made the Sweet 16 in 2012, they still lost to Xavier by over 20 in the regular season. Xavier also made the Sweet 16 that year. So the Bearcats have had good teams in 96 97, when they were supposed to go to the final four, they, they had the final four aspirations, lost to Xavier. We go to 2000, we go to the 2000 year, Xavier wins by two. We go to 2000, 2001, Xavier wins by two again. We go to 2001, 2002, Cincinnati did win that game. We go to 2011, 2012, Xavier wins that game. 2013, 2014, Xavier wins that game. 2017 2018 Xavier wins that game. You see, even in years when the Bearcats have had really good teams, Xavier has been the Xavier has won the shootout. They can brag about that. But just imagine, the final four, the winner of that game can hold bragging rights forever over the opposition. It's like they can hold a hex over the opposition. If Cincinnati beats Xavier in the final four, they can handle whatever crap they Xavier fans try to talk to them. Because I'm telling you right now, they they can't. If Xavier wins the final four, it wins in the final four, which would be their first ever final four appearance, maybe the first ever final four beating. Oh, they'd be trash talking Cincinnati off the rails every week. A little light here. If, if Xavier were to beat Cincinnati. in in its first ever Final Four appearance, they've been holding it over Cincinnati's heads forever. Whichever school wins is going to hold it like a hex over the other. The animosity that's there leading up to the game. The fact that one is on the west side of Cincinnati, the other is on the east side of Cincinnati. So the fact that west is the best, east is the beast, whatever it is, it's already heightened leading up to the game of the regular season. Now put it in the NCAA tournament, winner advances, loser goes home. And the chances of them meeting again in the NCAA tournament, I don't think are great. I don't think are that great. It's very rare that you see the same matchup in the NCAA tournament two years in a row. We saw it with Michigan State and Virginia in 2015, but most notably we saw it with Kentucky and Wisconsin in 2014 and 2015. We saw that. But it's so rare that you see the same matchup two years in a row. Especially if, if it's Cincinnati and Xavier, because you never know. Both schools have really good basketball histories, but they're in slumps right now. Xavier has not made the tournament since 2018. Cincinnati hasn't made the tournament since 2019. And even though they consistently make the NCAA tournament, there's always those years where they may not be as good. Xavier didn't make the tournament in 2014. In 2013, Xavier got back in 15, 16, 17, and 18. But Cincinnati and Cincinnati made nine straight NCAA tournaments. But you never know, as we've seen, coaching departures can have an impact and it can have a huge impact. The Bearcats have not made the tournament since Mick Cronin left. Xavier has not made the tournament since Chris Mack left. But I'm telling you, the animosity and the bragging rights that the school would have if this were to happen ever in a Final Four, which it could have been 2018. Instead, both programs in consecutive games in Nashville blew double-digit second-half leads. One of the worst days in the history of Cincinnati sports. Like, Bearcats fans, like, I remember Xavier did. Xavier lost that game to Florida State. And I couldn't even be excited that they lost because of the way the Bearcats lost that game to Nevada. But just imagine if Cincinnati and Xavier ever met in the Final Four. Two schools from the same city, from a notable, recognizable city in America in Cincinnati. Duke and North Carolina are college towns. And I I don't mean this in any disrespect and, and not trying to diss on the rivalry from Durham, North Carolina from Chapel Hill, Tobacco Road. The two schools are separated by 11 miles. But Cincinnati and Xavier share a city. And the animosity that's there, and the bragging rights that one team would have, and the division that is caused within the rivalry, it's unbelievable. And it's not one school hates the other more than the other hates the other school. No, both teams hate the other school equally. That's the thing about this rivalry. It's like Ohio State, Michigan's a little different because Ohio State fans, for whatever reason, can't stand Michigan. They can't even refer to them by their team name. Michigan fans are like Michigan fans. They, you know, they don't say that well, team down south. They don't. They don't do that. Now, do they not like Ohio State? No, they don't like Ohio State. But Ohio State fans have way more animosity towards Michigan, I think, than Michigan fans have animosity towards Ohio State. This rivalry between Cincinnati and Xavier is animosity on both sides, and it is a lot of it. So just imagine if they, if those two schools were to ever meet in the Final Four. Oh my goodness, would it be something to see how much the division that between the two fan bases, what level it would be at, what the city of Cincinnati would be like. Can you imagine covering that? Can you imagine covering that? As a media member. Trying to stay neutral. It's already headache inducing as, as, as a, I believe Shannon Russell, who used to cover Xavier for The Athletic, said leading up to the 2018-19 edition of the shootout. She said it's headache inducing With all the rivalry and all the animosity. But imagine it being on the biggest stage of college basketball in the NCAA tournament. My gosh. I mean... And imagine being a fan, knowing if your school loses, you have to hear about it potentially forever. That, that's a feeling that I don't know if I want to have that feeling. Now, we can also say, well, you can also be a fan and, and think about how great it's going to be if your team wins. And you can hold racking rights over the other school forever. But just the feelings and the animosity and the landscape of the city would be unlike, we, unlike anything we've ever seen. Because instead of a city coming together and supporting one team in the Final Four, there'd be two teams, and because they're such heated rivals, there'd be division. So could you even really enjoy it? If you're from a neutral perspective, yes. But if you're a fan, I don't know. It'd be very interesting to find out. And and I do hope someday we see Cincinnati and Xavier meet in any round in the NCAA tournament, second round, sweet 16. Doesn't have to necessarily be a final four. Coming up, just how big of shoes will the next Bearcats quarterback have to fill? I'll get into that next. But first, I need to tell you about Stat Hero because I love and I hate those buzzer beaters. The drama. But oh, the pain when you were on the other side of it. I've experienced both sides of it. Stat Heroes NCAA single game pickems pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Start focusing, or excuse me, take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage. Stat Hero gives you the advantage, resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you are going up against. They simply post sets of players for you to take on with a set of players you choose. The simple, sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash lockdown and use promo code lockdown for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash lockdown. Use promo code lockdown for a 100% match. stathero.com slash lockdown. Promo code lockdown. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Alex Frank here with you on this Tuesday, March 29th of 2022. Before we get into uh, my next topic, I I do want to mention that Armand Benz will be leaving the Bearcats football coaching staff. Armand Benz, of course, you know him from the famous Pike to Benz play. He is now going to be the new Youngstown State wide receivers coach. So definitely sad to see him go, but he definitely made an impact on Cincinnati with one of the biggest plays in program history and as a coach uh, the last few seasons at the university. So wishing Armand Benz well as he goes to Youngstown State to be the wide receivers coach. At least he's staying in the state of Ohio. Anyway, so how big of, of shoes will the next Bearcats quarterback have to fill? How big of shoes are Desmond Ritters going to be for Ben Bryant or Evan Prater or maybe Luther Richardson and Brady Lichtenberg? We, I mean we know the quarterback battle's down between two guys, but we're not talking about Richardson and Lichtenberg. I mean, one of them could easily, you know, steal the show in fall camp. So they're massive, obviously. But I think it's more from a, a massive from a leadership standpoint as opposed to play on the field. Desmond Ritter was great on the field. I'm not denying that. But his leadership presence, the fact that he was a constant for four years, four years is a long time. When you look at the landscape of college sports today, whether it's the one and done, whether it's the transfer portal, the four-year college football quarterback playing in as many games as Desmond Ritter played in, around 50 games, That Desmond Ritter played it. You don't see that very often. You don't see that even at the Power 5 level. I mean, quarterbacks that have played in 50 games at the Power 5 level, you can name Peyton Manning, you can name Colt McCoy. I'm having a hard time thinking of quarterbacks after those two. I mean, quarterbacks that go to Alabama and Clemson don't even play 50 games. Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence didn't play 50 games at Clemson. So the presence and the leadership of Desmond Ritter, I think those are what's going to be hard to hardest to fill. His play on the field, he's one of one. I don't expect the next quarterback to be like Desmond Ritter. I don't expect Ben Bryant to put up, I don't expect Ben Bryant to be Desmond Ritter 2.0. I don't expect Evan Prater to be Desmond Ritter 2.0. When a player builds a program into what it is today and Taze a program to heights it has never gone to before. It is very, very difficult to replace him or find the next version of him. Think Michael Jordan with the bulls. Think Dan Marino with the dolphins. Think Jim Kelly with the Buffalo bills. Think any great player from any dynastic era of the New York Yankees. I don't expect the next shortstop for the Yankees to be Derek Jeter 2.0. That's that. That's impossible. Some players are in classes by themselves because they were so good. They are one of one. I'm watching the Madden documentary Sunday night. John Madden, there will never be another John Madden. Some players, coaches, broadcasters become so iconic that you can't ever find the next version of him. Ben Bryant and Evan or Evan Prater, whoever is the starting quarterback, are going to have to do it their way. I don't expect them to be the next Desmond Ritter. And we all say it in sports who's the next Desmond Ritter? Or, for instance, who's the next Tom Brady? Who's the next, I don't know, Michael Jordan? Who's the next Babe Ruth? That's not realistic. You know that quote of from Rick Pitino saying "Larry, uh, Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale and uh, Larry Bird aren't walking through the door. But that can be interpreted in more than just one way. Not in the literal sense that they're not walking through the door. We know that. But in the sense of, okay, they're not here, but these are the players we do have. Let's see what we can do with these players. You can interpret that quote multiple different ways. You don't have to interpret it from, well, they're not here, so we're going to take a step back. No. It's that they're not here, but these guys are. Let's see what we can do with these guys. Let's see what Cincinnati can do with Ben Bryant or Evan Prater. Let's see what they can do, and we'll get into this more later this week, with the running back room of Charles McClellan, Ryan Montgomery, and Ethan Wright and Miles Montgomery. Let's see what they can do replacing Alec. Let's see what they can do, you know, who steps in, whether it's, Mick, whether it's Nick Mardner from Hawaii replacing Alec Pierce. You can replace players. But understand that some players become so iconic and such a part of a program or franchise's history that there will never be another player like him. So stop trying to compare the next player to the predecessor. You know, when Ray Lewis retired, the Ravens have not had the same, have never been the same, a middle linebacker. You know, the Dolphins, since Dan Marino, because they keep trying to find the next Dan Marino. No, you have to find the next quarterback, not the name specifically, the next quarterback, the next player to play the position. If you can go about it that way, I think you're going to be better off. The Bearcats don't need to find the next Desmond Ritter. They need to find their next quarterback. One that can win them games, one that can get them to where they want to go, which is play for a conference championship. They don't need the next Desmond Ritter. So you can interpret that quote, the Celtics didn't need the next Larry Bird or the next Robert Parrish or the next Kevin McHale. They needed players to they needed players to fill the voids that they left on the roster, not in terms of how they play, but just their just their spots on the roster alone. If you try to replace production, you're not going to. Players are going to do it their way. I didn't expect my successor at Aircast Media, Sean McMahon, to do to do the job the way I did it. Regardless of how I did the job, whether I did good, whether whether I did well, whether I didn't do well, I didn't expect them to do it the way I did it. I told them, do it your way. Now, from a leadership standpoint, like, look at Alabama. In 2012, when they won the national championship with A.J. McCarron and should have won, or won two national championships, rather, and could have easily won a third in 2013— Alabama replaced A.J. McCarron because Jake Hooker won a national championship. Blake Sims, the year before that, took them to the playoff. But the, pre- but the presence, they didn't have as much of a presence as A.J. As McCarron had. The next quarterback for Cincinnati may not have the same presence as Desmond Ritter. May not be as connected to the community and school as Desmond Ritter was. If they win, they can have a presence and a connection to the community, but you will never—I don't think—you will ever duplicate the presence that Desmond Ritter created, and they shouldn't be expected to. So they might—I'm not saying they can't—but recency bias with all of the you know, aura and mystique that Desmond Ritter built up in Cincinnati, I don't know if Ben Bryan or Evan Prater is going to be able to duplicate that. Someone may come along eventually and do it. But what we tend to do is, when a player takes your team to a place it's never gone before, like Ritter taking the Bearcats to the college football playoff, they're held in such high regard... That they, if the next player, wave of players don't live up to that, they're not going to embrace him the way they did Desmond Ritter. Is that unfair? Yes. Is that reality? Also, yes. It doesn't mean the next quarterback for the Bearcats won't be as good. Doesn't mean they won't even be better than Desmond Ritter. Hell, you were calling for Ben Bryant to start for to, to take over Desmond Ritter less than two years ago. Come on, you you know it you know who you are if you did Ritter is some players are one of one Desmond Ritter is Desmond Ritter and nobody else will be like Desmond Ritter doesn't mean someone won't be better than him in terms of stats but Desmond Ritter is going to be held in such is going to be held in such high regard for the test of time here in Cincinnati the next quarterback just needs to win games not trying to be Desmond Ritter like, Patriots fans may expect Mac Jones to be the next Tom Brady. They shouldn't. Mac Jones is not going to be the next Tom Brady. Mac Jones can still be a really good quarterback. I think he can be. I saw some good things from him last year. He took the Patriots to the playoffs with a roster that wasn't nearly as explosive as Kansas City, Cincinnati, or Buffalo. When a player becomes so iconic and puts themselves as the historic face of the program or franchise, you the next player to take over for him, you immediately start comparing him. That's normal, but you shouldn't do that. It doesn't mean the shoes aren't massive to fill whoever takes over a quarterback. They're gonna have to, you know, um, they're gonna have to display some leadership. They can learn from later, but I don't expect them to be Ritter 2.0. As long as they come in and play the position at an adequate enough level that the Bearcats are still playing for a conference championship, that's all I ask for. That's all I need to see. And hopefully that is the case for you too. Up next, sorry, I'm I'm, losing track of my notes here. Up next, why I believe there is no excuse for the Bearcats to not make the NCAA tournament next season. I'll get into that. But first, I need to tell you about BetOnline.net. After months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the final four and will determine this year's national champion this coming week. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Alex Frank here with you on this Tuesday, March 29th of 2022. I drank this water. Mm, It's good. Anyway, so Hubert Davis is taking North Carolina to the Final Four. It's his first year as a head coach. It might be the most impressive first-year head coaching performance in college basketball that I've seen. And it it makes me think, if Hubert Davis can do that with North Carolina, why can't Wes Miller do it here with Cincinnati? Cincinnati is still one of the 12 winningest programs in the history of college basketball. And for the program to be in the state that it is in right now, it's kind of, it is frustrating, it is maddening, it is disappointing, any other words synonymous with those I just mentioned. The Bearcats are the number 12 winning this program in the country. They should not be in this position. If Hubert Davis can take North Carolina, where there are, expe- there are final four national championship expectations every single year, John Calipari took Kentucky to the Elite Eight in his first season. Why can't Cincinnati Cincinnati get back to the NCAA tournament? Drew Valentine took Loyola Chicago to the NCAA tournament after Porter Moser. Again, Porter Moser put Loyola Chicago back on the map. He took them to their first NCAA tournament in 33 years, took them to the Final Four in 2018, took them to the Sweet 16 in 2021, so why can't the Bearcats in their, so why can't Cincinnati get there? This is a program that is too proud and too historic to be where it is right now. It's not a blue blood, but still, Chris Mack took Louisville to the NCAA tournament in his first season. There are so many head coaches out there. In their first season to take teams to the NCAA Tournament. Look at what Mark Adams did at Texas Tech. Cincinnati, you look at um, last year. It's not like they were a bad team. A lot of the games they lost, outside of the first Houston game, outside of the Xavier game, the Crosstown shootout, outside of Tulane... A lot of the games they lost were by close margins. They lost by six to Arkansas, who went to the Elite Eight. They lost at home to Mammoth by two. Not a good loss, but Mammoth's conference did have a team in the Elite Eight, so there you go. You look at their losses to Memphis by seven, both times at home and on the road. They lost to Temple by three, a loss that should never have happened. They lose to Temple by a close margin. They lose to uh, USF by two. Houston was closed throughout the first half, and then SMU by five. A lot of close losses. Case in point. I see a potential 2021 Bengals-like turnaround for next year's team. Now, that doesn't mean Cincinnati's going to go to the Final Four. That doesn't mean Cincinnati's going to go to the Sweet Sixteen. But I see them writing a lot of wrongs from last year. If they're able to go out and get some transfer players, which uh, reports yesterday of multiple players in the transfer portal who have been in contact with Cincinnati. First up is George Washington Transfer Brian Freeman or Brian Freeman. I'm not sure he pronounced his name. It's spelled B R A Y O N. So apologies if I butchered his name. points, 2.3 boards, and 3.7 assists last year. He's also uh, just a freshman. He'll be a sophomore next year. Uh, We know that Eric Stevenson, who's averaged uh, double-digit points, who averaged double-digit points last year for South Carolina, is in the transfer portal. Former Wichita State. Shocker. He's been in contact with Cincinnati. And then North Carolina State transfer Cam Hayes, who's averaged seven or more points in his first two seasons. He's been in contact with Cincinnati. So players from power five schools or players from good conferences like the A-10 are talking to Cincinnati. If they're able to get these players to come and play for them, if they're able to get experience if they're able to get scoring, if they're able to get defense, if they're able to get length, the second big thing that needs to happen. And like I said, this is more of an evaluation than it is from just this thing either did happen or it didn't happen is the transfer portal. If the Bearcats are able to land quality players, that's going to be a huge step towards the offseason and implementing how you want to play if you're Wes Miller. We know how he wants to play. He has to get the players to do so. I still believe that this team can go to the NCAA tournament next year. I thought this team could go to the NCAA tournament. They were playing really well. At one point, they were 4-2 and two in conference play. They tumbled down the stretch and went 3-9. and nine. That's very, very fixable. Would it shock me if this team finished four had four more wins conference play next year? No. Because if you if you write the Temple game, if you write the Memphis games, if you write the USF game and the SMU game, that's five wins. You're up to twelve. You would have had you instead of being 17 and 14, you would have been 22 and 9, and it would have been 12 and 6 in conference play. That may, that maybe would have put you on the bubble for the NCAA tournament. Certainly the Big 12, you would have been in. David the Julius thinks they have the core to compete. When your leader says that, that's powerful. That's showing confidence that hey, we believe we can compete. We believe we have the core to win a conference championship. It can happen. Like Iowa State, TJ Otzelberger took them to the Sweet 16. They won two games last year. If all these teams with first-year head coaches around the country can do all these great things, why can't Cincinnati? Was what happened at the end of the John Brandon two-year run so destructive that it's going to take years to build it back up? I don't know. I don't think so. Wes Miller then again struggled at first at UNC Greensboro, and he had that team in the NCAA tournament twice at the end of his tenure. I don't know. And he has way more at his disposal here in Cincinnati. But do you really want to go into the Big 12? on the heels of not making the tournament and just being another team in a mid-major conference, when other teams like Houston's doing well, BYU's doing well, UCF could bounce back next year, you never know. No, you want to be – like you have Houston and Memphis that are better than Cincinnati right now. Both teams made the tournament. Houston went to the Elite Eight, very easily could have beaten Villanova, had just a few more shots from three-point range fallen. Or that was terrible grammar. Had they made a few more shots from three-point range? We look at these. We look at these teams. They're doing well, and then we look at other teams like Tem- Temple and Tulane are ahead of Cincinnati, and you go, "What? This is a year that Cincinnati has to get back to being that superior opponent in conference play. They haven't been that since Mick Cronin left. They weren't that ever under John Brennan, because if they were, they wouldn't have lost to Tulane in UCF and UConn." I guarantee you that. And the next year, they wouldn't have started 0-3 in conference play. I guarantee you that, too. They have to get back to scaring and scarring opponents. I'm going to keep saying that throughout the offseason. You cannot go through another rebuild. They already went through it after Bob Huggins, which is fine because, again, Bob Huggins made the program into what it is. You could ask... Seriously, to yourself, have the Bearcats replaced Bob Huggins? Bob Huggins is such an icon, you immediately compare Mick Cronin to Bob Huggins. You immediately compare whoever gets hired, can he be like Bob Huggins? Don't do that. Let the head coach be himself. You don't have to replace the name so much as the position. If that's, if, if that's a takeaway from today's show, don't replace the name, replace the position needed. If there's a theme for today's show, it's that. That's all I got for you today here on Lockdown. That was terrible. I don't. I don't mean to be yeah, That dismissive. Well, that was fun. That was really fun today. A lot of good content. A lot of good provocative, thought-provoking questions. What if Cincinnati and Xavier were to meet in the Final Four? How big of shoes does does the next Bearcats quarterback have to fill? What exactly do they have to fill? Do they have to fill the name or the position? And there's no excuse for Cincinnati not to make the NCA tournament next year. That's going to do it for me today here on Locked On Bearcats. Thanks for making it your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's. N N A T I. You can follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore, and email me at alex3frank at gmail.com, all lowercase alex, the number three at gmail.com. And don't forget, subscribe to Lockdown Bearcats on YouTube and like today's video and leave a comment. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. For Lockdown Bearcats, I'm Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you all tomorrow.